it's uh, the project with the most freedom, probably the most freedom I've ever had in a project. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to communicate with a mu monster musician like Dieter Ilkes. <laughs> you mentioned that he is your orchestra, and in fact, that's what happened. Yeah, it's uh, something like a house that's being built, and uh, as long as the house has a roof and a basement, you can call it a house. So if I'm the roof, he's definitely the basement. And the opposite. <laughs> yes, sometimes it even uh, keeps changing, and uh, that's what the dialogue is all about, and you never know how the concert is. That's also the good news, because jazz is very little repertoire music or note-by-note -note music, you know. It's really finding out, you know, what the present situation is like uh, and react to it so the last album you did together is it more intimate because it's it's only two of you it's uh, the most intimate album I've uh, recorded and uh, it's also one of the most challenging things because uh, you can never really give the baton to someone else like a piano player or or there's a drum solo and you can take a breath no you have to concentrate on on the highest possible level and uh, if the take doesn't really work you know it right away and then you do another one and uh, the choice of songs is quite remarkable because you went through all the possible styles what we found out is that the setup of trumpet and bass is actually the concept of the album so uh, the second we found out about that, we felt, wow, this gives us so much more opportunities and so much more freedom that it doesn't really matter where we pick music from uh, as long as it's something that we find interesting. So there is decades and even centuries between the songs and they still sound like, like one piece in a way because uh, it's only two people. I'm, I'm sure there is a reason you chose each and every of the songs. But let me ask you about three of them, Leonard Cohen, Eleanor Rigby and the church song. Leonard Cohen is uh, undoubtedly the, the most uh, interesting and, and uh, I think recognizable among uh, the singer-songwriters. I mean, there's a lot of them, but uh, the way he put lyrics, intelligence and, and, and the way he was observing the world together was unbelievable. He was something like a philosopher to me. And it didn't really matter that he wasn't a, a typical kind of singer, you know, he didn't really have a voice, you know, but he made it so recognizable, you need not even a second to know it's him. So, and uh, the lyrics are asking for interpretation, yeah, like a, a point of view, you know, you have to make up your mind what he's talking about, because it's not as obvious. Well, he was a poet in the first place. Exactly. The second song was Eleanor Rigby, yeah. That went funky during the concert. <laughs> Congratulations about the concept. Um, thank you so much. We're, we're having fun doing that because the Beatles is a group that in, in many people's minds, you know, mark the end of the jazz era, which is, of course, not true, you know, because there's a lot of jazz after the Beatles and even the Beatles themselves, you know, were very much into blues, you know, like, like rhythm and blues. And, and Even Kisses on the Bottom, one of the cutest albums that Paul McCartney made. Isn't that a nice album? Yeah. And I think they both met for a very, very good reason, you know. Paul McCartney is amazing, you know. The, the, he seems ageless still. Um, like you sometimes, also left-handed like you. That, that, that's, that, that's, that's true, you know, you, you probably saw that, you know, but when I write I'm left-handed and I never tried the, the other side, you know. <laughs> and that secret past in the church is uh, quite um, puzzling, actually. <laughs> 
Is it something you talk about often? I don't talk uh, about my, my private life at all, but, but uh, it's pretty uh, known, at least where I'm from in Germany, uh, that I grew up in a, in a church, in a Catholic church, and that my, my childhood and youth you know, was very much influenced by it. It's not that I'm very religious right now, but the church knows very well how much influence they have you know, once they bring it to children. So I think one of the most significant aspects to it, to me, you know, was the music because I am a musician, you know, and, and even, even the music in church was something that stuck in my mind more than the words, actually. What was the most frequent instrument when you were a child used in the church? Organs? Yes, yeah. uh, I still mm -hmm. have a strong connection to the organ, the church organ, and I think it's one of the most beautiful and perfect instruments on the planet. Those are the things I wanted to ask about. Oh no, there's a, another one. Tell me about the ocean song. A distant episode was created for an album called Oceana, which I recorded in L.A. with Larry Klein. And uh, I think, like for many musicians, the environment makes a big difference and it, it's such a big influence on, on what kind of music you write. Well, that's something about you because you managed to link many environments, German scene, European scene, but also you're quite present in, in the United States, both coasts. <laughs> Well, I think it has to do with the fact that to me, you know, as a German coming from a very musical country, but not necessarily a jazz country, I realized that, that jazz is by now a language that everybody can learn, you know. You don't have to be from the U.S. or you don't have to be from New Orleans, you know, because not even the people in New Orleans created all of that. I mean, that's the place where it happened, you know. So I think the most important thing that creates all connections between the cultures and the people And the most important message, also, you know, a very important International Jazz Day message from the UNESCO and Herbie, is the language aspect. It's a language you don't have to, to learn. It's a vocabulary that immediately transports and, and explains by itself. Do you think one has to grow up to jazz? I would say yes, that, that jazz is not a music or kind of music you know, that you are exposed to and immediately find, okay, uh, that's my kind of stuff. It happened to me. But like many jazz musicians, you know, I think we can call them an exception. The big majority uh, needs a second run or maybe even uh, some, some more education. Or on. a good jazz concert to understand what's going on. Absolutely. And since we don't really see that in the media anymore, you know, both not formatted radio and not TV, it's, it's very tough. But you know what? I'm a jazz teacher too. And, and, and every year, you know, I'm there to, to do the auditions. I see young people from that generation uh, coming in and, and, and playing this kind of music on a level where I'm asking myself, okay, how is that possible? You mentioned the mainstream. You did have a mainstream experience on the TV. Yeah, that's true. I, I was a part of uh, The X Factor, you know, a very famous show originally created by Simon Cowell. And uh, I was a TV judge for two seasons and I, I was lucky to win both uh, seasons. Uh -huh. With the, the, the participants that were not the youngest ones there, right? I had the over 25s, yes, yes. So did you treat it as a mission to spread jazz around? Or well, was it just an experience, like, let, let's see what, what this TV thing is about? It was, it was both. When, when they asked me to do it, uh, I, I thought, okay, why are they calling me? Mm -hmm. Then uh, I went there to, to meet them. 
And uh, I told them right away, hey, if you expect me to do any jokes, you know, or, or read off, you know, or learn jokes that you give me just to be entertaining, that's really not what I'm going to do. I have to tell the truth uh, of what I'm listening to and what I'm, what I'm hearing. And that's what you're going to get. And it ended up like, like you know, that's exactly what they wanted. Do you have a TV at home? I do, but uh, I'm actually mostly on, on Netflix nowadays, like, like the majority in our generation. <laughs> There's something that I wanted to ask you ever since St. Petersburg, I guess. First there was trumpet, there was jazz, then you discovered you could sing, then, then there's photography, and uh, you're also a model or some part-time. Part yeah. So can you describe this process of discovering yourself? Well, first of all, I think finding out who you are takes a lifetime. I never believed people saying, okay, I know exactly who I am, how I'm, I'm built, because uh, it's a lifetime journey. And I think if you had a reason to mark your life as complete, that's bad news to me. So I think the thing I'm most afraid of, you know, is, is, is being bored. Uh, so I want to explore myself, and I'm, I'm still trying to find something that can can be called the the complete personality and i think it's good because i'm an artist and if i wouldn't be on a search i couldn't be creative are you pushing yourself or rather you just find some new things that are attractive and you follow them it's 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 the last thing actually i realized 10 years ago that photography uh, is based on the same principles because it's a very communicative thing the good photos actually work because somebody had a connection with someone else, uh, at least when it comes to, to people photography. And uh, still photography, uh, in a way, is, is a good uh, answer to a very hectic life nowadays, you know, where everything is a video, where everything, you know, needs to move and everything needs to look like, like you know, Pretty. absolutely, right out of the factory. I think photography is still a very, very healthy and, and almost close to a therapy kind of uh, thing because you freeze time. Time stands still. I heard that... A musician cannot play a note unless he or she hears it in, in their head. Yes, uh, that's exactly the uh, idea that I have. Uh, and that's so the way I... If you have it in your head, then you can play it. Yes, and uh, we all know uh, that sometimes we run out of words. Sometimes we run out of thoughts even. Sometimes we seem incapable of, of reaching down to the source of what we want to comment. And that's, that happens on all ends. That also happens to artists. But the notes you don't have in your ear are the notes you won't even play on your instrument. Yes. So the, coming back to this process of discovering yourself and... Um challenging also do you first have a vision of you and then you're trying to get there i'm just sort of trying to find out how your brain works you know <laughs> well the, the visual aspect brought me to to jazz actually because just as much as i like, like the sound of it you know i like the looks of it which is a very childish way to approach it uh, but i have to say that it made a, a big impact on me yeah I, w i wanted to wear a white suit and and uh, be in an orchestra and uh, have a, f a hairdo or a haircut like that and uh, and basically serve in a way but but at the same time have fun what can be more exciting 
and more contrasty, you know, than a guy in a in a white suit almost looking like a servant or or or, or a waiter playing his sorry his his ass off and and being a complete individual. You know, I think it's the sort of contrast that I was always into. And later on, I wanted to find out what what ways to express yourself and and what you can create that has a chance to stay. I tried a couple of things in my life that I actually left because I realized, okay, it was worth a try, but I don't think I can actually make a difference on it. Making a difference is, is not a bad approach at all. I would even go as far as saying being recognizable is the, the, the outlaw kind of approach from today. In other words, all the laws in music and most laws in arts have been broken. It's a sad truth in a way, you know, but that's what we come across very often. It depends who breaks them. If it was Picasso who knew perfectly how to draw and, and paint in a, in a realistic way, but he broke all the rules and then he came up with something new that I wouldn't mind this kind of breaking. But then <laughs> Yes, but he was also in the luxurious situation you know, to be able to break them and to be one of the first guys to break them. Right. So right now it seems like everything is pretty much explored. So breaking rules is actually not making as much of a difference today anymore. So so what is left is, is being recognizable because uh, that's exactly what sticks out. Just like what like one of the really revolutionary guys in, in the 50s, in the 30s, and even before that, people shouldn't take more than let's say a tenth of a second to know who's playing or singing uh, and if that, that doesn't still happens yeah it that still happens and that's why you still have innovators in a way because uh, the innovation of today's is actually being recognizable it's it's an art form that's completely underrated because there's so many lookalikes there's so many soundalikes there's so many clones nowadays it's impressive but it's not important uh, last question about the contrasts. You also chose an instrument that does not, well, I don't think that any instrument does forgive, but yours particularly does not forgive. Brass instrument is, is pretty unforgiving because you, you can blame yourself and no one else but yourself for anything that comes out of the instrument. So you produce the sound and if, if, if it doesn't get out the way you want it, it's you. But I had more than 40 years to get used to it, uh, so I'm okay with that. I think I was much more critical, you know, when I was in my 30s uh, and even, of course when I was even younger because I wanted to come close to perfection. And I relaxed more. On my list, if you're looking for perfection. <laughs> yeah. So then you relaxed. Yes, I'm, I'm much more relaxed because uh, I think the the biggest problem you can have is if you if you didn't try, you can you can fail. You can be uh, let's say a little weaker, you know, than you, you normally are, but you have to try. So so I would never forgive myself in not trying. I think the worst concerts I've ever played were the ones where, where I didn't really think I had to prepare. So never really take your, your day form, never really take your state of mind for granted. So that means that you probably have a very strong routine or, or, or habits. Yeah, brass players know that they have to do it every day, you know. Like, for instance, today I had this really young 10-year-old girl coming with her father to the concert mm -hmm. and uh, she asked for an autograph and it turns out she's a trumpet player. And I remember so well how it felt when I was 10. And I I always try to give kids the, the most precious advice, which is whatever happens, 
play five minutes a day. Don't practice for one hour because somebody tells you, but never really skip a day. So instead of skipping a day because you're too lazy, just do five minutes every day because it's going to train you much more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, it's just a doses in, in many ways. I think it really, uh, if you like pizza, that's great, but you can't eat it every day. So make sure you have the best pizza once in a while. <laughs>